to his left and he's on his way. 10, 9, 5, 3, cut down. Wonderful try. We have a mole, Jim. Digs like a demented mole there. He just bust through the defence. Just watch this. Spillane gathers beautifully. In go the Irish forwards. This is Lenahan. Bursting into the 22. Back to Bradley. Back to Kiernan. The drop of goal is over. Michael Kiernan has done it. Good evening and welcome to the Mullcast. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, the Leinster Presidents 15 uh, beat a touring side from Munster last weekend. Um, no, no, let's be serious. Uh, Leinster beat Munster in a what was in a meaningless game, essentially, for, for Leinster, but a game that would have provided Munster a much easier route through to the finals, uh, final section of the uh, URC. Um, and so the Munster, in a way risked something by playing a much, you know, as strong a team as they could field against an understrength Leinster because they're preparing for the Heineken Cup final. Um, but it backfired badly and it seems like having had a burst of positivity after, after their last defeat to Leinster, Munster have found a new low ebb to hit this season. Certainly their commenters, commentators, Munster commentators and Munster fans seem to be particularly uh, desolate after this one. Um, how much would you put down to them? How much would you put down to Leinster? Yeah, I thought it was a very enjoyable game. Um, I didn't think Munster played particularly badly. Like They've played better this season, certainly. But uh, I didn't feel that they were outclassed or anything like that or or bashed around. Um they lacked, uh, yeah, they did. They did lack a bit of noose in terms of getting like the game. The game was slipping away from them, you know, by the sort of fifty fourth, fifty fifth minute. But that's still a lot of time left in the game, and they had experienced players on the field, more experienced than Leinster had. And I felt that you know if they get, I, I, like I, I was sort of surprised that the score ended up the same. The same, like, at that margin, you know? I thought, uh, I, was, I was disappointed with the amount of knock-ons that Leinster had. I, th- I thought that Leinster's knock-ons uh, gave Munster a lot of opportunities to get into the match. I, I kind of, like, had, had Munster, I looked, I looked at the Leinster team that had played last year, the, the weak team, you know, the one that's sort of the, the disrespectful team in some quarters, and they got beaten twenty seven three in the RDS against a very strong Munster team, and you're so and you're kind of at that stage going, thank God, like if Leinster's third choice team could beat essentially Munster's first choice team, Irish rugby had a problem, but they didn't. Like they got absolutely hammered. And I looked at the team again, and now geez, it's not that bad. Like there's a lot of good players there, um, and without being like complete prick, I remember I, then I saw Huey, and I went, Jesus, like he Huey. Probably that was the last game he ever played for Leinster. And he, he'd started that match. And because he was playing at scrum half, like th- there was nowhere to hide about it. Like it was, everything was going through. So I, I suppose to put that in relief, um, 
makes me uh, like a, appreciate how well Foley played. And I, I like the look of Foley, but then you don't know what it's going to be, how a guy is going to stand up to a higher level. And he, he played in South Africa, which is a high level, and he looked pretty good. So that's perhaps not completely accurate, but he was starting a game, big derby match, and uh, again, like acquitted himself well. Um, not as zippy a player as like Gibson Park and not as, I don't know, not, not like Luke McGrath, but like, um, like a big, big scrum half and, uh, kind of physical, like puts in tackles. So close, closer to Luke, like actually closer to Luke than, than Gibson Park. Definitely. But, um, Interesting, like a guy, a guy who would be playing a lot more for Leinster, uh, particularly with Gibson Park touring and then being involved with Ireland. You'd have to imagine uh, next November, uh, rather than Luke shouldering a lot of the, like pretty much all the minutes. I, I'd anticipate that Foley will get a lot more minutes. Um, and then, like the longer the match went on, the more I thought that uh, now nah, Leinster are, are good for this. Like if they just keep no- if they if they stop knocking on the ball. Um, that's a good that's a good Leinster team, and I, I I'd imagine from a Munster point of view, it's it's like it's really disappointing losing to Leinster seconds. Uh, but then you look at Leinster seconds and you go like they're really good. There's like the way Munster have played this season, they they'd no right to win that match. Yeah, I was impressed with Foley as well. I think he's come on an awful lot in the space for year because he did make some appearances or at least one appearance at the end of last year, possibly in that Rainbow Cup game against Munster. And well, he got sin-binned in that. But I remember thinking, like, I'm not sure this is going to happen for him at all. Like, I'm not sure if he's going to be a Leinster player in a couple of years um, because he's still an academy player, obviously. But he went through that game until his shoulder injury. I, th- I, th- I thought he was very assured against a really super experienced uh, opposite number in a big match, like 30,000 people at it in Lansdowne Road. And he had two great highlights in it as well. You know, he had a first he, the try was a great support line and well taken. And then the 50-22 really changed the game in a big way. You know, immediately after that, Leinster got a penalty try. And then quite quickly after that, we got O'Loughlin's try. So it was a huge action in the game. So he can be very happy with that. And Leinster will be very happy with his improvement over that period. You know, because it's... That's a, like that was a high standard of a game I felt, um, and he really thrived in it. He didn't just survive. You know, I thought he did very well, and I thought his halfback partner Harry Byrne did very well. Um, I, in my opinion, I I, I thought it was uh, maybe Harry's best game uh, that I'd seen him in, but certainly the best game he'd had since November when he got capped for Ireland, and he looked a bit um, hyperactive and like he was trying to trying to show how great Harry Byrne was every time he got the ball, having got into the Irish squad ahead of his brother. And now he seems like maybe he's still, he he put in a more rounded out half performance uh, at the weekend. Yeah, I agree. A more controlled performance. And I think the word hyperactive is like, I think, you know, reasonably, um, you know, reasonably accurate. He's certainly trying to show every time he got the ball, uh, in in 2021, like how much he could do because he can do a hell of a lot. Um, and in this game, it was 
more of a, more of a conductor and less of a soloist to use that old tired cliche. But you know, we, his his passing skills are outstanding. He's a lovely kicker of the ball, and um, and he is a running threat. And, you know, there's a couple of times when he he's 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 quite tall and 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 quite strong, um, but. I was particularly impressed, as I have been impressed before, of the tandem of himself and Kieran Frawley at 10 and 12. Did some very good results for Leinster in that partnership. Um, big wins, home wins, for the most part, against Zebra. I think it was Edinburgh and Cardiff at the start of this season. It's very difficult to tell the seasons apart in some ways. Uh, but I think that's a, it's a really good partnership and both players are such natural passers of the ball. Both players are are big and strong as well. Uh, and then two good kickers, uh, two really good kickers, because Frawley's kick for the first try, a, a try in which like, Harry's restart first, he was, was perfectly judged. Start, then, not even a restart. Yeah, Harry's start, rather. And then uh, Frawley's uh, cross kick from the middle of the pitch, just literally plopped it into Scott Penny's hands. Uh, and, you know, and that, that was an, as good a start as Leinster have had in any game this season. You were saying there that you actually thought when, you know, looking at the team that it was actually quite a strong uh, Leinster team. Um, is there a sense maybe that a lot of people uh, at a wider level aren't as familiar with the guys who were coming through and playing the likes of the games against Ospreys, Zebra, the ones that, the, the, the non-glamour fixtures of the URC, and that actually each one of these guys has a story and actually each one of these guys was probably elite at their own age grade and so on. Well, I think that's a really good point. You know, it's, there's uh, one of the reasons uh, this is sort of a peeve is I think there's too many stories. <laughs> there's too many stories about Monster all the time. Rather than just telling stories about like too many long think piece existential threat bullshit stories about like identity and culture and you're still on Jesus. Or, or else, or else they're just like recycled quotes from a press conference where you know a team puts one player up and all the journalists have the same quotes. It's like there's so much shit to write about in rugby. You don't have to just write about whatever player did a presser and gave like nothing quotes about nothing. You know, it's very interesting. Like at the end of that game, like I know who Rob Russell is, but at the end of that game, no one else who was watching the broadcast knows who Rob Russell is. You know where he came from. Why you got into the academy at a relatively late age? Whether he's a fullback or a winger, like Jesus, there's just no story. Like Jamie Osborne, again, you know what are his strengths and weaknesses? Is he a thirteen? Is he a fifteen? Is he going to be a twelve? Like I look at that, I look at that 10, 12, 13 that Leinster fielded, and you have three guys who are six foot three or six foot four, two guys who can kick. Like Harry can kick with both feet. Frawley is a great. Lefty, and I think I think Osborne's a, well. Osborne's definitely a lefty. I think Frawley's a lefty as well. But like, you have these three guys who are all kicking threats, all passing threats. And as we saw from the, the, Osborne's great tackling, then it's very unfortunate that he injured da- Jack Daly. But like, you've got physical players there. Like that is an interesting group to put together. But like I was, I was looking forward to seeing them play together because you know I think just for the reasons I outlined there. You know, the one thing they're possibly lacking is a, is a little bit of pace, but otherwise, like that is an extremely well-rounded midfield unit, like a potential Irish unit together on mass. Definitely, because 
Chris Farrell's been playing well for the last few weeks. And played well in that game. And played well in the match. And it, it was interesting seeing him, because he bumped uh, Osborne at one stage. But Osborne came back. And I think Harry Byrne came over and tackled mm-hmm. uh, Farrell after, after he bumped Osborne. So I remember watching Osborne play... I think he played for Leinster when he's 19. He did, yeah. Um, against the Ospreys and that the physicality caught him out. And you're kind of going, ooh, is that a is that just because he's 19 and because this is his first time, or is this a, a weakness? And it was it was the former because yeah. he, he's and I'd expect him next season, like playing against Farrell, that he wouldn't get bumped, that he'll 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 have adapted to it. And I think particularly playing this the the South African teams, like the South African teams are really physical. And I think that all those Leinster guys who went down there, um, and I think all the Irish guys, full stop, like, you know, it's not just the Leinster guys, <coughs> will really benefit from playing against that physicality where you go, oh, there's nothing, like, there's nothing we can't do. It's it's just that it's physical. Like, it's just much more physical than any of the other games that we play. Yeah, it's, uh, it's particularly like it's, down there. Like it's really fast. It's really physical. It's really sort of abrasive as well. Yeah, like, there's a lot more yeah. niggle in it, you know. But Osborne, um, Osborne's an impressive character. Yeah, you know? and you know Osborne's interesting in that he's not Black Rock. He's not Michaels. Yeah, um, and he's the sort of guy. And maybe maybe they, there just aren't that many of them. And maybe Gahoover's up a lot. May, I think I don't know. But like you'd look at him and you go, here's a guy who, as you say, like he's. He's six foot three. He can run. He can pass. He can kick. Like there has to be guys like that around Leinster, who like just have that athleticism mm. and that size. And Frawley's the same as well. Like you know, who very 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 similar. Um, who aren't coming from Michael's like, College or Blackrock College? Yeah, or, a very short stretch at the end yeah. eleven. And Michael's and Blackrock like turn out a lot of very good players, and guys go there on scholarships and all that sort of stuff. But like the net, like you would imagine, there's more than just the two lads. Oh and there's yeah, Connor, and there's Connor O'Brien as well in the mm. midfield. So Leinster, Leinster have actually picked up a number of guys um, from outside of that sort of uh, second level academy type of structure. Now another guy who, like another guy who was very close to going to school there, but didn't go to school was Jordan Larmer. I thought Larmer was head and shoulders the best player in the pitch. Oh, it's great to see him back and playing I, so well. I, he really struggled. I saw him play in the flesh for Leinster against Connacht, and he was kind of he was directly marking Mac Hansen, and he was kind of cowed by it. Like his his confidence was gone, and I was, was I'm sort of stunned because like Larmer looked like a guy who'd who'd always been on the up and always like stuff would come easy to him, and he was struggling with uh, basically it not happening. Like with there being a new darling and a guy who was fast and was a footballer and you know could kick and could do all the things and like was was in the camp as well and like was the flavor of the month. And Hansen had a great game, um, and you're kind of going, ooh, like how's this one going to play out? And Jesus, like Larmer looked amazing. Like, he's still not a fullback. He's not. No. As, he's not as good in the air. He's not he even good. He's not even right, good. In doesn't the air. stand in the right places. But as a runner, he's a he's amazing. Box office. You know, he for just incredible. His first game back after two months out to come back in that in that shape and that, with that much confidence to just. You know, to to have these three amazing runs where you're just like beating person after person after person, 
in a big game in front of a load of people. It was so encouraging. It was great to see. Um, but I, I do agree. Like fullback, as as I think Birch or and other people have said before, is a good position for him to attack from because it opens up both sides of the field. But there are certain elements where you can't even you wouldn't even put him in the conversation with with Hugo Keenan. Mostly catching, but also positioning in general. Or Jimmy. Or Jimmy. Um, yeah. And the thing I was looking, the thing I was trying to look up beforehand was um, when did these guys start playing? Because. I think because Leinster's first team is so good, there's a lot of room for their second team to be good and still be on the seconds because, like, to get up to the first, like, you you know, you need to be aligned to overtake Robbie Henshaw. You need to be aligned to overtake Gary Ringrose. Mm. Uh, so Larmer played his first game in September 2017. Yeah, I remember. I was watching, for, uh, <laughs> watching a pub in... Uh, <laughs> pff, fucking hell, somewhere... I always call it Bayman. Stop Bayman. I remember watching him though. First game of the season, I think. First game, yeah, one of the first games of the season. Ed Byrne played his first game in 2017, in September 2017. So I won't go through the entire team uh, much as it would be box office itself. But um, <laughs> the like that that's five seasons ago. So like yeah. the, these guys aren't like they're still young, but they're like they're not all novices. Like and obviously Jordan Larmer's won a Grand Slam, and I think that. Like cultures used an awful lot in relation to Leinster, and then you say like Stuart Lancaster and Leo Cullen. But the the willingness of guys to stay at Leinster, even though they're not guaranteed to be on the first team, is one of the hallmarks of the squad as it is at the moment. And it's probably one of the hallmarks going back a few years that they that that you can see. And I think there's probably. There's probably a few cautionary tales of rugby players who have moved and it hasn't worked out for them. Like, you know, there's more than one, you know. Um, guys are better off staying... Guys are often better off staying where they are. Um, and maybe maybe that'll mature more and there's certainly more of a transfer sort of window in, in France. Or, but it's... It is a hallmark of Leinster. Yeah, uh, playing how many Le- of those guys have come through and then have stayed. Mm. Playing at Leinster also makes you look and play very well. It's a good working environment. People seem pretty satisfied for the most part. There have been people who, like I remember when, um, like Mads, Mads are played the, by a long stretch the best rugby of his career at Leinster. You know, you remove him from Leinster and you see, maybe you see that. Oh, he's not the player he thought he was, and maybe he just got worse from not being at Leinster. Yeah. You know, he's there's a lot of players who thrive at Leinster and look very good, and you say, "Oh, they look good in that system." You're going, the system is, the system includes them. It's not like every player comes and and you know, you, like put a piece of shit on a stick in Anfield or whatever, and it looks good. It's like they're part of the system. They're better. Like the whole thing gets better because of what the people put in it. But you have to have raw material in the first place. So <clears throat> we're obviously leading to the big question here. Yeah. Uh, when Joey Carberry left Leinster, he was either going to go to Ulster or to Munster. And the whole idea was basically Johnny Sexton's not going to retire. This guy needs to play first string out half games because he's the like next best out half in Ireland. He needs to be playing 
He needs to be playing number. Well, at the time, well, maybe at the time, I'm not sure when he moved. Was Paddy Wallace still a viable player, or had all that stuff happened? I can't remember. What. Um, but Paddy Wallace is retired, buddy. <laughs> was the other one? The other one. <laughs> um, when Joey moved, the idea was that he was stuck behind Johnny Sexton, and he had to go and play first team games uh, for. Munster or Ulster, but when he yeah. moved. And the kind of the discussion is, well, the discussion is in two ways. Is that one, there are actually a lot, there are a lot of games to play it out half all season for Leinster because Johnny Sexton doesn't play that many of them. And the other thing is you're leaving one environment to go to a worse one to be the star of the worse environment. Yeah, so they were offered, like both Ross Byrne and, and Joey were, were offered like, one of you do you one of you want to go up to Ulster? And apparently Ross has said no, like not even entertaining that. I'm not gonna leave Leinster. And then when this is how I heard it, when Van Gran heard that like the offer be made to to Joey, he said, Oh, we you we'd love you to come to Munster. And that's how he ended up going to Munster. And it was signed off and, and Joe Schmidt said, Oh, I had nothing to do with it. And like you're going <laughs> stretching, <laughs> stretching credibility there, Joe. Famous picture of them in the, uh, <laughs> in the end, cafe. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but uh, in that last in that last season that Joey had played for and he'd or for Leinster, so um, he played mostly at fullback, and that's where Lancaster saw him playing. You know, it was like Johnny's the first ten. Joey is going to be number twenty two in big games, but when Johnny's not there, Ross is going to be ten. Now, you could say that's because Ross can only play 10. Uh, but that's how Lancaster and Cullen saw it. They preferred to play with, with, with you know, essentially two, two out-halves on the pitch, so to speak. Um, and then Joey wanted to be a 10. So he went to Munster. And it probably hasn't happened. No, it hasn't happened. There's no problem about it. Um, and... I was kind of, I was quite surprised, and I, I was dicing this in my head, like how much do you talk about other people's podcasts? But uh, like Birch, Birch, I mean Birch is, Birch is a great man for uh, kind of criticizing people and they go, oh, I'm not really criticizing. <laughs> and they're going, no, no, you are. Like feel like you're in the media. Feel like, don't worry about it. Uh, but he, he didn't even qualify that with Joey. He just went, oh, look, like, it can't all be Larkham. Like, the players should know this is the way that Ireland play. Like, look look just how sloppy uh, Munster's shape is. And the thing that struck me about it was, like, why now? Like, this this has been there forever. And I I suppose I, I, I stopped trying to make myself angry about it. But I do remember during the Six Nations just calling him the emperor. Uh, like I just did not see what everybody else saw. Like that's uh, the emperor has no clothes, and I was like, ah, oh, look, you know what, what? What benefit is it of beating up on Joey? But seeing the week that's in it, and everybody else is doing it, um, I was, I, I was, I was asking myself, but you're like, why now, lads? This is the way he always plays. Yeah, run like as we were just saying off. Like you know, he gets the ball, he runs forty five degrees towards the player he's going to pass it to him, eating into a space and dragging a defender onto him, and then he passes it to him. But he and he doesn't. And the big thing is like he doesn't put shape on the team around him. He do, he doesn't organize guys. And like 
to, to my mind, it was most obvious at the match that I was at against Argentina when Harry Byrne came in and Joey went to full back. So how much better Ireland looked with Harry on the pitch and like how much more shape, but also how much attacking threat it gave Ireland having Carberry still on the pitch playing at fullback. And you're going like, wow, we've, we've got two proper distributors here. Yeah. Like we've got the, we've got the conductor and we've got the virtuoso. Like all the brain work has been taken out of Joey's game and he can just do the instinctive things, which he's brilliant at. Yeah. He still runs really well in space. Yeah. He's a pleasure. Like he handles well, he beats men, he ghosts, he can play flat to the line and he can just think about his own game. He doesn't have to do it with anybody else. And you're just there going like, it's, it's so obvious. It is so obvious. And I suppose why I feel so strongly about it is that Ireland are just going to sleepwalk to New Zealand with him as 10. And they're going to bring probably Ross. Like it, like it has to be Ross as the third 10. So you, and you're there thinking like, is there a point? Like, what do you think is going to change at this stage? And you're not Andy Farrell and you're not Mike Cap, but like, I, I do wonder, like, what is it? Like, what, what? Well, I mean, a bigger question, or maybe not a bigger question, a question that should have come sooner is that why won't Van Fran swallow the pride of being like, we brought you down as an out half and go and play him at fullback? Oh, well, because Mike Haley's playing really well. Yeah, Haley's, Haley's playing well. And also, you know, I think that's tricky politically for, like it was tricky politically for um, for Van Graan when he was went to Munster to play out half so that Ireland would have a second out half. And, you know, he backed him. He's always backed. Like, I don't, I don't think it's like necessarily Van Graan's fault, I have to say in this. I don't... I don't know. I don't think it's anybody's like fault in particular. Well, no, no. it's you know what I mean. It's nobody's perch. Oh well, I just want to say it's Joey's fault. Like, oh, I want to play ten. Yeah, well, you're not fucking that good at ten. Yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, why is his desire to play ten still entertained by everyone? Because he's not terrible, terrible at it. Like, no, 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 and he's a brilliant place kicker as well. Yeah, he's a really good place kicker. But that's why it's entertaining. It's like it's too much of a thing for people to like say, "Well, we were all wrong for like four years." So, but like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know, this went nowhere. Might come back to it in two years' time after he's been playing fifteen for a couple of years for Province, and then he can play maybe 15 and 10. Like, you, like, this is after four years. I know he has injury problems. He's, like, very significant injury problems. But it's like, the one, like that game, you know, it's just such a... Like, it wasn't any particular... Like, he didn't have a f- fucking shocker. He's just, like, doesn't play 10 that well. It's really emblematic, though, of... Um, like, he, he's just a case study. He's... Of, of, of the way... Of a much wider thing. So... Like, why did Van Gran, like, why did they sign Gallagher? Why did he, because he, like, say, say Mike Haley's your, your your first choice 15, and you're there going, like, why why sign Gallagher if you can play Carberry at fullback and give yourself a different look if you've got Crowley and Ben Healy and Flannery 
who can all play 10. And like, and initially there was, um, Jesus, like, I'm trying to remember if Keithy was still there at the same time. Um, and uh, just, just everything about it. Like, you know, so how do you manage your squad? Like, where do you, where do you, like, where, where do you spend your money? Like how many of these guys, how many of these guys are in your squad and, and like, how often do they play? Like, what's like, like, Pass me the baton on and that And then, one. like, wh- what's the impact on your playing style? So you're sort of going, like, like we're not going to play with a second receiver. Like, we're, we're going to have... So everybody wants to sign Diolende. And one of the things that, that struck me about the the match of the weekend was Goggins played ahead of Diolende. And you're there right, going... injured. And Diolende's injured. But, like, Diolende has played so many matches for Munster. He's... In contrast to War G, he's been supremely fit, really hard. And he, and he plays really well a lot of the time. Like, he is just so much better. But you're going, that that was kind of his, like, in terms of squad management, that was the strength that Van Gran brought, was that he was able to get in contact with two World Cup winning Springboks and convince them to come to Munster for two seasons. And, you know, whereas another coach just doesn't have that in, wasn't going to be able to do it. Whereas you compare that to Leo Cullen and you go, Leo's grown a lot of his own guys and they're dealing with different material and all that sort of stuff. But you see just like the cumulative, and again, I go back to the principles based to Leinster, like you see the cumulative effect of all the things that Leinster do well and the way that, Kieran Frawley is a good example. You're going to have to when, make a point where I'm going to start six different points. Yeah, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, when, when he started, he was a 10. Mm-hmm. And when Carberry was there, he was playing 15. So you said he's playing 15 because Leinster wanted to have two playmakers on the pitch. And I was there thinking, shit, should they, should they move Frawley to 15? Because he can kick and he's big, and it would give him that second playmaker. And they moved him to center instead, mm-hmm. and they've stuck with him there at center. And they have three out halves with the Burns and Sexton, and but there's also Robbie Henshaw blocking there. So Frawley, but like over the course of time, you're there going that really works. So from Frawley's point of view, it really works for Frawley. Now he has a position that he can call his own. When you're younger, versatility is great. When you're older, speciality is good. So now Frawley is a center and he has all the attributes that you're talking about earlier on. For Leinster, it allows them shape-wise to go, we've got at least two playmakers or two distributors on the pitch when we pick Frawley. And they have three when they pick Osborne. And they have three when they pick... Like Osborne's young, but one of the things that's most impressive about him isn't just his size. Like it's like, guy, the guy reads the game so well, especially for Foley's try. Think of that line, but continue. Sorry. Well, I, I would have said Frawley was the one who's who gave the pass to to Osborne to break through. No, Osborne gave it the was pass the other to Frawley. Yeah. It was the other one to Frawley. Okay, so um, so in the big in in the small picture for Frawley, they got the most out of him, and in the big picture. For Leinster, they stuck to the same principles of wanting to have two distributors on the pitch as they had, but with very different players. Mm-hmm. And not playing them in the same position, not going like, oh, we need to have a fullback that is able to distribute. Yeah. 
because uh, that's what we had with Joey. So we need to find somebody yeah. like that. It was like, no, 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 we'll, we'll, Frawley's got the attributes to do that. But we're not going to play him at fullback. We're going to play him at centre. And that's the way we're going to set ourselves up. So being driven by that principle and then just engineering around it. And yeah. Because like Frawley and Henshaw are quite dissimilar as 12s. And then Osborne and Ringrose are quite dissimilar as 13s. And you're going, oh, it's look at they just slot seamlessly into the Leinster shape. You're going, yeah, very different players slopping into the shape. It's, they're going because they're individually well coached as well. It's not just a flawless, like everyone does the same thing. Like Conor O'Brien is a much more like for like with uh, Henshaw. And then Tommy O'Brien is a more like for like with Ringrose. But like that's not who was playing on Saturday. So I, I think that that's really accumulated. Whereas you look at Joey and you go, they've just kept on, like Munster have kept on with that, even if it's not really working. At the expense of Crowley, at the expense of Ben Healy, less at the expense of Ben Healy. Who's got yeah, because Ben Healy's played. Yeah. Ben Healy's played at the expense of Crowley. So maybe I've seen stuff in Crowley that just isn't, it isn't there. Wrong, but it is there. Like he played really well against Cast. He played really well for the 20s. But, but it hasn't happened to him. And you're looking at the... So talking about guys going away and not happening to him, he got the offer to go to La Rochelle two seasons ago. And you're thinking to yourself, this guy could have been involved in two squads getting to the Heineken Cup final in consecutive years. Mm-hmm. And, and playing a top the 14 final. final. The bou- yeah. Playing the final of the bouquet. And are now in third in the... Oh no, maybe they're in fourth because Cass beat Perpignan at the weekend. So like our top four... So of every opportunity to go there again this season, and you go like, Jesus, like he he picked the wrong color pill, like he should have he should have taken the I'm thinking of the yellow the pill. He should have taken yeah, he should have taken the yellow and black pill. So like that's that's just how all those decisions compound compound is the word yeah over time. Well, I absolutely agree. You mentioned like you mentioned Goggin there, just don't. Like Goggin and Farrell, Farrell carries really well, and we said like he played really well because he did carry very aggressively, and he got a lot of gain line for Monster. But there's a player who's been a Monster for like five seasons now. Has there been like has there been any improvement in his kicking game? No, none at all. He has no kicking game whatsoever. Like that's part of the problem that I see. Not just like it's not all Van Grand's fault. I was just thinking to myself how, because everyone loved Larkham as a player and he was a genuinely great player, people are, they almost, they give him a free pass or they expect like, oh, Van Gran is somehow stopping Larkham coaching the attack properly. You know, mate, Larkham is the attack coach. If the attack is coached badly, it's because Larkham has coached them badly. Like that, like he has feet of clay as a coach, as a, as a player, he was, you know, an amazing, almost flawless out half. But, uh, like, as a coach, like, to be honest, they look better, they'd be better off without him. If that was Brian Walsh, like, Foley had Brian Walsh coaching with him from Con, And, like, at that stage, Munster, you know, had a couple of bad seasons in a row. And like everyone just slaughtered Brian Walsh that he wasn't up to those. It is like, is this the best monster can do? And you're going, if that if Brian Walsh had been coaching the team with Van Gran, just playing exactly the same, he would be getting fucking yeah. slaughtered. Yeah, because he doesn't have the brand. And I'm even thinking, like, nobody was going to turn down Damien Dialende, but 
it's done like it set back Rory Scannell's career. And yeah. you know, like it was Scannell's collateral damage. But the difference is that Scannell is a second distributor. Scannell's a guy who's who's and played, a left footed kicker. And a left footed kicker. And if you were to play Joey at fullback, you'd have like so say you picked Healy in ten, Joey at fifteen, you'd have two distributors on the pitch. And say your second choice is we're going to play Scannell and Crowley, or we're going to play Scannell and Carby, or whatever way yeah. you want to you want to match it up. You've still got the two distributors, like you're still and and kicking options. You're still saying like this is this is what we're about. Like this is the sort of the shape that we have. I think that's a, such a key thing because I think about it quite a lot because I always liked Rory Scannell for the first thing as a player, and then secondly for the longest time he was the first centre that Munster had successfully produced. You know, for fucking ages, like since Barry Murphy, basically. Um, and he was a guy who played a lot of games young. Like he was averaging like 23, 24 games a season as a 22-year-old. And you're going, this fella passes well, kicks well, can goal kick. And it's just like, he's a clever footballer. Like, what's not to like? And then you go, yeah, Damien Delende is like clearly a better player than him. Like, it's clearly an upgrade. But... In some ways, it was a problem that didn't need solving. Like, Roy Scandal wasn't the fucking issue why, with why, like, Munster weren't getting past semi-finals in the Heineken Cup. So, you know, that's always played in my mind. Like, and his career is basically lost, like, two and a half of the best years of his career. You know, he's just not playing any first-team rugby for money. Not, not, in, not, in, not in the big games. Yeah, so, so all, like, all of those things... I think where everything came to a head on Saturday. Absolutely everything. It <laughs> did all it come is, to a head. It is just quite obvious, though, at the end of Van Grand's season, he's, he's a mile off. Oh, sorry, at the end of his tenure, he's a mile off Leinster. Yeah. I <clears throat> Just to rewind and maybe wrap up the point on Joey, I just thought that there has, he obviously has been missing with injuries at, at certain stages, but once Schmidt had gone from Ireland... And Joey had failed to do the business for Ireland in Japan at the World Cup. Where he was injured. Yes, I mean, but that's part of it. Um, I thought, wasn't that the opportunity to reassess the narrative? And instead, everyone just went, no, he's still going to be the first choice out half, regardless. Yeah, well, Joey played a lot of get- r- 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 before Ireland this season. Joey's played in 10 games in, in the season just gone, including two starts, one of which he won man of the match in against... Argentina, where I didn't think he deserved to be man in the match, frankly. Like, I think we scored seven tries and the forwards scored maybe all seven or maybe six out of seven. And I don't think, when you look at the highlights, he doesn't have, he's not in them, basically. Um, but again, he gets he gets enormously soft media praise all the time. Like, fuck it. Let's just say it. That's what I think. Bench for La Rochelle at the weekend came a certain K rip tonight <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the form of Will Skelton. It was uh, yeah, Ronan O'Gara did a classic. Uh, what would you call? <laughs> He's behind you, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's Will Skelton's music. Exactly, Will, it was Will Skelton's music. <laughs> he charged off the oh, off the out of the stands and smashed the uh, Stade Francais out half <laughs> with a folding chair. <laughs> 
and announced himself, and then he picked up the microphone and said, "Lester, I'm coming for you." <laughs> oh, fucking Carvalho's gonna crawl out from under the ring apron against us next Saturday. Yeah, totally well, is. Well, referee Earl Hebner's down for the cage. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this Lester, is a cave fab a broken hand. Um, yeah, uh, O'Gara pulled some. Uh, classic Mourinho Ferguson mind games and said someone was out for the season and then brought him off the bench next week. Um, it's still a news that no one from Leinster wanted to hear because uh, the wound, well, the wounds from the defeat against La Rochelle last season seem to be very... Uh, raw. Raw. I still just think that Leinster are going to beat La Rochelle. But what do you think about it? I don't think... I think that... Leinster fans are fucking have made a huge bogeyman out of Will Skelton. As good as he is, he is but one giant man. <laughs> they also have other giant men. <laughs> Fuck. No, I think that um, I think that Leinster will be really. They'll have a better. I think they'll have a better game plan for how La Rochelle to counter things like Leinster do counter players. Like Leinster don't think, oh, we'll just do our thing. They say they will, but they always have plans. Like I was looking at some training photos on the Sports File page, and there's like two or three of Leinster like doing an old-fashioned binding and going into a ruck together. Like I haven't seen them. Like and I look at all the training photos every week, like, and I haven't seen them do that in. I don't think I've ever seen that before. So I think that's something that they'll have worked on. But like they they tried to have a plan for and had a successful plan for Ty Byrne back when he was with the Scarlets. It's like. Put put this fucking blue scrum cap on Will Connors and keep on munching him, you know. So I think they'll try and have a plan for. I think they'll be very keen to go to go at Skelton and just keep on going at him all match. Now you might have a lot of failures there, but I don't think there's going to be any. Um, I don't think he's going to be carrying anybody from Leinster. Like I don't think they're going to go out scared of him. Or I think there's a lot of. Uh, I think there's a lot of want to have another go at La Rochelle. I thought you were going to say about the sports file photos that they taped together a few of the academy lads <laughs> and, put, and put size 17 boots on. Just, I am oh the Dread Pirate Roberts. <laughs> That's a deep cut. <laughs> and what I was thinking, like I, I would expect Skelton will play, perhaps even start. I would expect Tuera Carbardo. And Victor Vito. They'll and Victor start. Vito. We'll all start. You sort of go, oh my God, I thought all these guys would be out. And then you kind of step back and you go, oh, hang on, like, they're going to play all these guys who are injured. Like, this is because... and and it's the maybe, biggest match of the season. Maybe it'll work out. But this question, is it the biggest match of the season? Or is Raj deeply enough ensconced in French culture now having been there? And you know how much he, he loves the European Cup. But is he deeply enough ensconced in... French culture to know that the bouclier for La Rochelle would be enormous. Have yeah, they ever but, won it? No, but they haven't been to the. They can't like. They mightn't get to the final of the bouclier. Like this will be bigger than the semi final of the bouclier, which they're not in yet either. Oh, totally! Like this is they're they're in this match. Like this is this is the final of Europe, and you 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 revert to cliche. You really do take each each. Each week as it comes, each game as it comes, this this match is absolutely enormous for them. Um, and I take your point though about it, the bouquet being potentially bigger for them. Like it's something which Irish people, Irish rugby fans can't grasp and don't grasp. But like the bouquet is bigger than the European Cup. 
It's a much older tournament. It's been played for for a hell of a lot longer. And rugby in France is fucking massive. But to return to your point. Well, I'll, I'll take up your point. There's, there's a bit in Trevor Brennan's book about uh, when they win the bouclier with Toulouse. And like the players bring it with them. And they, 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 they go to the, the little clubs where they started off. And he brings it out to... Well, like he goes to one of the players to go and see his dad. I'm, I'm trying to remember. Is it Labiche? Is yeah. it? Yeah, and like his dad really wants to see the bouclier. And like it travels around, like there's, there's it, it's brilliant. Like there's, it has this place in the psyche of France, of certainly French and the rugby men. And like it's a robust, you know, it's a good, it's hard to break the bouclier. You can, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's a robust. You can you can bring it around. It, it's big as well. It's hard to throw. Like it's, there's, there's, there's a lot of damage proof built into it. Um, and it's iconic, and like the like the European Cup is is huge in Ireland, but it it just doesn't doesn't have the same place in the culture as the bouquet, yeah, and it's just impossible to get it. Like you can't manufacture it, you can't you can't set off fireworks around it, and you know play funky music and just make everyone love it. Like it's 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 hard won. It's it, it's genuine. So. It's part of I their just, country. It's not just part of their, like, sport is obviously part of their country. Rugby is part of sport. The bouclet is part of rugby. Like, the URC is not part of Ireland. We were know? talking about the cast Grenoble final that was on in the 90s, and you, you were looking it up for the some reason, reason. The reason I was looking it up was that I wanted to, I was trying to figure out how France had a gigantic... South Sea Islander who was French born and bred Romantic Brothers. Yeah. His dad uh, is comes from one of the French protectorate I, a group of islands and <clears throat> moved over to France to, and played rugby. And then uh, on his Wikipedia page, there's a there's a paragraph that's been inserted onto every player on the Grenoble team who was in that final. Uh, about the referee who mistakenly gave a try to Alan Wetton and disallowed a try for Grenoble and essentially screwed over Grenoble against Cast in the 1993 three. Uh, Bouclier final. And so I, uh, and then I was going down a rabbit hole and looking at all the teams of this and then was asking you if you'd heard of Doncic, a Bosnian rugby player who was playing for Grenoble, and then there was also the Polish fella Kakala, yeah, who was playing yeah. for them as well. There was a lot of controversy. Do you remember being over in '91 uh, when we were kids, and like all the magazines had uh, the Begley front on them with their fucking mohawks and the sleeves cut off their jerseys? Simon Moscato and Jambert. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So it was it was Gary Retton as well, just for completeness. Oh, but um, <laughs> the reason I was talking about that was we were on holidays in France in 1993, and in middle they had a magazine, like it was an A4 magazine, and the last page was a, like a pastiche of the Asterix banquet. So every every Asterix book would end with a sort of it'd be a half page and it would be all the guys having a banquet and Cacophonix the Bard would be tied up and he'd be in the corner. So in the corner of all the guys having the banquet, and it was all the guys who'd been personalities during the season, in the corner was Cacophonix with the bouclier. And you're going like, oh, that is, it's so French. It's like it's two iconic French brands put together and it's it's beautiful so it will be a bigger match to return to this weekend's 
uh, game. I would expect all those guys to play, and you're there going, it might work out for them. Like it, it, they definitely feel that they're better off with them. But they're all carrying injuries. Yeah, or the else calf is fit. tough. You know about the calf. I know about. I know about the calf. Yeah. So like that's one with the calf. One's like Vito's in a moon boot, and he'll want to play. But you go like, geez, like how how fit is he going to be? Like that that's going to be fragile. Carbarlo will play with a broken hand and a hurley glove. But again, you wonder like how how's that going to last for him? And maybe he lasts eighty minutes. Maybe yeah. maybe he gets injured in the first ten minutes, and you're just sort of going. And either way, like the narrative will justify it afterwards. But I, I, I think if you, I think if you put yourselves in La Rochelle's position, it's it's an uphill task for them because they need a lot of things to go right for them. And you can argue so to Leinster, but Leinster, there's more likelihood of stuff going right for Leinster. Leinster have injury concerns with Tyke Furlong and James Lowe, but I expect they'll both start as well. And like Furlong could well play an hour. Yeah, you see, like it's the biggest game of the season, so you do expect players to start to take their painkiller shots or whatever they need to do, and then just to play through the pain barrier when it gets fucking really sore, and just do your best until you can't play anymore, until you become a sort of a liability, and then you come off and get replaced on both sides. Um, like La Rochelle were poor in the in the semi final. We were saying how is French semi finals contend towards that, and French finals contend towards that as well. La Rochelle can be very dogged opponents um, as a defensive team. Like, in terms of how Leinster... I think Leinster have improved a lot since last season. I didn't think we played particularly well in in any, really, of our knockout games last season. No, we played well, we played well in the second half against Exeter. Uh, or the second part of the first half and then the first half first part of the second half against Exeter started that game dreadfully and then in the semi-final we started the game reasonably well didn't didn't really play that well in that game didn't really play that well in the final either like of the URC or Pro 14 as well so I think Leinster are playing like Leinster the, the second slash third string just played a great performance against Munster the, f- the firsts were fantastic against Toulouse, and then a couple of, uh, you know, then you go back to seconds did enough in against two tough games again down in South Africa, and then the uh, joint sort of first second string against Munster and Tolman played really well. Like Leinster are playing fucking well at the moment. So it, again, the narrative will be fit to it after the event is over, but it'd be very curious to see how well Leinster handle mentally. The what what for them is the holy grail. Like Leinster have won four leagues in a row, they would gladly swap the Heineken Cup for the league this season, given oh, given the choice players. between the two. And you know, in the aftermath of City winning their fourth league, and they said, "Oh, but well, the league is really big." You kind of step back and you go, "Geez, like winning four leagues out of five is 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 really impressive and all the points." But don't tell me, lads, that winning the league for you is bigger than the Champions League. Nah, it's, it's just not. Like, I just I just can't be convinced by that when, when Man City say it. And if somebody were to say the same about Liverpool, is no, no, like, the league is the... Nah, oh, sorry, the, for Leinster, like, the league is this... The league is the competition. I'd say, no, it's not. Like, nobody the, even the says Heineken, that. Like, nobody says it. Like, no, nobody... So I think you'd imagine the the... The sort of the the downside, like if it went wrong for Leinster, they'd be tight from the off, and La Rochelle would get a very good start, and then would be very awkward, and Leinster would get desperate and chase it, and then start forcing things. 
So how well Leinster handled the event will be one of would be one of the many reasons to tune in. Like O'Gara's played the media very well. Like even the confidence that he exhibits when he talks about his La Rochelle team and how losing the finals has been good. It's made them mentally stronger. How much mentally stronger they are now. And you look at it because we went through the team last year and you go, you're not your playing staff isn't as good as as it was last season. Um, and he's he's taken the attention off that. So his. We're chatting about Farrell and the fact that he seems to be a vibes man and like doubting his coaching credentials um, during like a, a lot before this season. But you go, geez, like the vibes do, people do like the vibes. They do tend to come around. And then everything else seemed to fall into place for him. And definitely O'Gara seems to be a good vibes man. Small bench though compared to Farrell. Small, yeah. Not a man of steel. <laughs> Not a man of steel. <laughs> yeah, you see, the one thing I would say about it, like, I completely see see where you're coming from with regards to, to freezing on the spot, but the fact, I think that the Leinster are going in with a bit of a revenge mission. It's not just that they're playing a final. They're actually getting a chance to, to play against La Rochelle again. And, you know, that they... They want to do better than they did last time. Yeah, right or wrong. Yeah, right or wrong, so to speak, or perceived wrong. Yeah, you know, wrong in their own book. Not, yeah, not, not exactly. Not wrong, but a wrong you know, in their So own I book. think that'll help them to uh, to be motivated for it. And and not, the, to, not to shit the bed. We're having an absolute classic. I'm having about six points, haven't finished them all. Don't finish my sentences. Talk <laughs> over you. So all, all, the, all, the, all the things we're meant to do. Not not sticking to any of those. A lot of these Leinster guys have beaten the All Blacks, so like it has to accumulate. A lot of them on the same rationale that uh, that O'Gara talks about have played in big matches on both sides of it, have have won and lost big matches, like winning on winning away in Exeter, winning away in Leicester, big games to win against what were certainly two of the form teams at the time in the UK at different seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, they're real matches, and there's a few guys who have played and won um, in Bilbao, and there's other guys who have played and lost in big games against. So y- you would, I, I again, I'd be surprised and disappointed where Leinster to lose. And you know, everyone loses big games. Like Richie McCall lost big games. You know, Richie McCall like lost the 2007 quarter final. Nobody goes through a rugby career as like, oh, you know, almost always successful. Like Johnny Wilkinson, until he got to uh, Toulon, like won one club medal in his career with Newcastle. We we're like pretty much at the start of it. And then like sort of 10 years or nine years without winning anything. And then, you know, he finishes up with uh, two European Cups at a Bouclier in, in Toulon. But uh, so yeah, like Leinster fans or Leinster players have have lost big games, but most of them have won a lot of big games. Well, <clears throat> I tried to be fairly. Um, I think I can be. I think I feel like I'm a lot more even-handed about Leinster than I am about Liverpool, and I'm not shitting it about Leinster versus Rabershell. I'd be obviously disappointed if they lost, but I'm like I just see. Evil Kareem Benzema doing shit to us in the last 10 minutes. So, uh. Fucking no, man. 
I'd be, I'm curious about who plays on the bench. Uh, Tommy O'Brien uh, was on the bench against Leicester and Correct. then had an ACL injury and they didn't really replace like with like. They went for Frawley, so they went for the next, next, best, player. next best player. And I think Larmer has played himself ahead of Frawley. So even though Frawley was really good at the weekend... He's he's kind of similar to Ross. Like Ross has played in the centre for Leinster. So if if you needed to, you could put Ross into the centre and give yourself the second second distributor. But more than likely, you'll move Jimmy into centre. Yeah, where he's yeah. where he's played. Um, and Luke on the wing. And put uh, put Larmer. Oh, so you're on, going? Yeah, sorry, you're going with the. Traditional five three split. I go with a five three. Yeah, I I'd agree. Antici- I'd anticipate to go with a five three, and then I'm curious as to who of the three guys in the sort of the back five who does he go with. So I was very impressed with Joe McCarthy at the weekend. I think that Joe McCarthy. And we were chatting about Osborne, and then I forgot about it. Joe McCarthy played a match against Cardiff, and I was just looking at him, going like, "How long does it take this guy to get off the ground? Like this isn't the AL with the, uh, you know, your." Just like the players' parents watching you in College Park, like this yeah. is this is on telly, man. He was on uh, debut, though. I know he was on debut, yeah. And I was kind of going, "This would be the last match this bloke plays this season." Yeah, he played and, well in that uh, game, though. He just had a few logs, like. And then he he came back, but he and he's he hasn't been like that at all. He was so industrious at the weekend, and he looked like a guy who was really, really conscious that, like, if I play well here, I'll be on the bench playing in a Heineken Cup yeah. final, like, I'll, I'll be on the pitch at the end of it. I'll get a medal. Like, this is this is big. Um, and he played Baird at six, and I always think of Baird as a as a flanker. So I was there, oh, sorry, as a, as a second row, and I'd be there going, well, you're not playing Josh Murphy at six. That's what I was thinking. What did you think? I think this is like sort of the key question. Like, do you think he's going to go with Baird as a sub second row and then Reese as a sub blind side, or do you think he's going to go with Joe McCarthy as a sub-second row and Baird as a sub-line side or Joe McCarthy sub-second row, Reese a sub-line side and nobody on the, no, no room for Baird. I think he's going to go with Joe and Baird. Did he, I think he's probably going to end up going with Baird and with Reese. It's tough on Joe. It is tough on Joe, but it's tough, it's going to be tough on somebody. It's tough on somebody. <laughs> it's tough on somebody. It's tough to get into a very good squad. That's the nature of a, nature of having a good squad. Is I mean, you have to leave good players out. Yeah. Like, you know my my feeling that I like having the experience off the bench. If the game is in the mix, I think it's more likely that it's going to be won by players not making mistakes than by one guy pulling a rabbit out of his hat. Now, we'll make an exception to that. I think you always have to make one exception per bench, one out of eight, although it should be one out of five. Listen to next week's pod. <laughs> but like, so Larm is a man who pulls that rabbit out of the hat for you. You know, you don't go with like, you don't go with a 6-2 in this lens or traditionally favor a 5-3. We've gone with 6-2s before. Uh, but I would go with Ryan Baird and with, with Reese. And yeah, I'm sorry, Joe, you miss out. You, don't worry, you get to go to New Zealand and get the shit kicked out of you by the Maori. Yeah, tough decisions to make. Uh, Ryan, Very tough. Ryan Baird could also be your wild card off the bench. He's Baird's is a good call. Baird's is like he, he came back with the engine running hot from the get go. You know he had that two like firstly 
the great, uh, as you say, not restart, but start retrieval. And then what a fucking pair of spring heels he has. So that is jumping out of the gym. He's so easy to lift. Some of Leinster's line out on show. Crow got a, like a bang on the shoulder, I reckon, because he's doing two ones, which were fucking... Oh, they were really crooked. So crooked. <laughs> like, like they were miles thrown straight to the out half or something. But, like, there was, there was before, like, about 15 or 16 minutes with two line outs, both went to bear and just started, like, literally sprung up in the air. Unstealable. So, yeah, I would go with, I would go with Berdos and, um, and with Reese. And he puts pressure on the opposition throw. Which I think is going to be big. Like in like La Rochelle's set pieces will have to be very strong. I think they will look what they were very good at last year. From from what I remember, and again, I'm really irritated. I didn't write this stuff down because I had a recollection of doing it. Was uh, not giving Leinster field position. Yeah, Bryce Doolan was very very important player for them last season, but they really did keep Leinster like fifty to sixty meters away. And Leinster struggled with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're turning over set piece ball, you it it, it becomes much harder to, to to maintain that pressure. And if you're stealing it, you're you're certainly it's a release valve. If um, or it allows you to put the opposition under more pressure. And even I suppose it does both. Like it puts the hooker under more pressure. It puts like it it cuts out some of your it cuts out some of your line it options like some of your calls where you've just got this guy going up and up and up so I I think to that end Baird will definitely be on the bench okay um, because he will put huge pressure on the line it so then it's a, it's a case of it's a, it's a shout between Big Joe and Big Reece. Joe and Reese. yeah tough call to make but anyway we trust uh, the lads will do the right thing and the lads will do the job so come on Leinster and Liverpool. 